You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. It will be the last Drive for Show DFS for Doe for the 2021 calendar year. Golf takes uh, the winter break through Thanksgiving and uh, and Christmas, so uh, no golf tournaments for like six weeks, uh, which is the only break we will get uh, all year. So it and it always feels like more than six weeks uh, when you're used to doing it every week. So. Uh, we'll try to make this last one count here with the RSM Classic. Of course, I'm Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I've got Derek Farnsworth, a.k.a. Notorious, alongside me. Noto, what's going on? Yeah, not much. Uh, this always feels like the longest break uh, of any major sport, even though it's the shortest break, <laughs> just because, you know, we love golf. Um, it's once a week, so you can look forward to it. It's not a grind like uh, some of the other sports are, like baseball and basketball. So, yeah, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to enjoy the break for about, you know, a week, I bet. And then uh, I'll be itching to, you know, hopefully play. Is there any tour that's going to be going on? Um, I'm, I'm sure there's – well, I'm not sure if there's some Euro Tour events in there or not. I think they're doing the Hero World Challenge this year. That's no the Tiger, first week though. of December. Maybe Tiger will come back. It's <laughs> the only thing that'll help. 15 golfers or so in that. But uh, so, yeah, that'll that'll go the first week of December. Uh, and then we got not, nothing until the tournament champions uh, the first full week of January. But anyway, uh, we'll see. I'll miss it, too, uh, unless this week is like last week, in which case my bankroll will thank me for the break. Um, I, I had nothing last week. I had zero six to six lines. I think I did. 75 lineups i don't remember it was so bad i don't even remember uh but zero six to six lineups i think maybe four or five five of six lineups it was brutal uh just uh you know nowhere near the amount of made cuts needed uh jason kokrak won great for him i didn't have him you know i didn't have him at all but it didn't matter so uh, i was happy to see him win but the crazy story that came out about kokrak after the tournament was that he said on Tuesday, he considered withdrawing from the tournament because he was hitting it so bad. And then he ended up winning it. Wins a full field PGA Tour event after seriously considering withdrawing in the middle of the tournament. I mean, we try to sit here and say this stuff's predictable, but he didn't even think he had any chance to make the cut, let alone win the tournament. So pretty weird stuff. Yeah, that makes me feel better about my fade because I, I think my you know exact words last week were a perfect course fit for Coke Greg, but he had lost off the tee in six or seven. He had lost on approach in four or seven, and uh, nothing in his lead in form would believe me to think that uh, you know he would contend, let alone win. But 
golf's one of those crazy things. You can find uh, some momentum, you know, a long putt or you know, hitting a good iron shot, whatever it may be, you find something and uh, get that momentum rolling. So yeah, I think it was his third win this calendar year. So uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, hard to believe um, that, uh, that, you know, he found it that fast. And uh, this is a pretty cool story. It's fun to see that uh, with him talking about it after the event. Uh, Scheffler seemed to be the the guy that most people wanted to win, uh, whether for betting purposes or DFS on Sunday. He was pretty popular. Didn't necessarily play horribly, but, uh, you know, Kokrak just went out there and, and won the tournament. It's a pretty tough course. We talked about that last week, actually seeing a challenging event um you know uh, during the fall swing which is pretty r- rare uh where you got guys you know posting even par one under par you know those are good rounds so uh we'll we'll probably get a switch back to the normal kind of more of a birdie fest event this week but any other takeaways from last week's event uh for you yeah it's such a nice break to get a difficult course in the mix uh here in the fall swing i really like the course you know if your guy gets a, a birdie streak or couple birdies in a row you feel like it actually makes a difference um some of these events you're like well if i don't get birdie streaks from everyone or you know if i don't get the under 70 bonus for all four of my or all six of my golfers you're going to be in trouble uh whatever it may be so i like the more difficult courses um typically they are a little bit more predictable we see the stronger t to green guys get the job done on the more difficult courses uh but yeah overall not a great week for me um just uh continue my cold stretch of uh main slates so I'm hoping to get one uh, back here before we, uh, you know, hit the end of the season. Hopefully we can do that and, uh, and have a good week here as we uh, send golf into the uh, sunset for, uh, for 2021, but RSM classic this week, uh, one of your, you know, historical, they play this one at the end of uh, <clears throat> end of every year. And so we've got plenty of course history to go off of. And so that should, you know, this should be an event that uh, a lot of people at least are able to crunch the numbers and and try to figure out uh, some guys that they like. And uh, this is one of the rare events. We see it a lot in the kind of spring, March, you know, February, March, where we're still dealing with relatively limited daylight hours, uh, where the these these full field events utilize two different courses. Uh, so we have that this week uh, with two courses in play for the first couple of rounds. Uh, does that impact the way you want to build lineups here, depending on the weather? Or, you know, we've got the plantation course hosting one of the first two rounds before the cut <clears throat> and the seaside course hosting the other. The guys, some guys will start, you know, on one course on Thursday and then play the other Friday and they'll, they'll flip flop. So uh, anything you do differently with two courses in the mix this week. I'm sure there's any actionable information we can take there. I remember last year um, there had been six straight winners that started on one of the courses. And then naturally uh, that trend came to an end last year when, uh, you know, golfers that started on the other course ended up winning. Uh, I would check the weather. I mean, uh, I think, you know, there's a potential uh, edge on Friday because it looks like it could be pretty windy in the afternoon, but I think that would affect golfers on both courses. So um, just getting the guys out early. For me, the only uh, play there is going to be in showdown. I do think you want to take advantage of the guys on the plantation. Um, each of the first two rounds, because there are four par fives, should be a little bit easier than the seaside course. Yeah, a lot of times we see differences come into play with light, but it's more so at like uh, Pebble Beach or something where that course is pretty exposed. So if it gets really windy, uh, you you can often see you know Pebble Beach play harder than some of the other courses that are, you know, used in 
in those multi-course. I can't remember them all off the top of my head now, but some of those events that use more than, than one course in the spring, a lot of times one of the courses is say more open another one's more tree lined where if it's going to be windier one day, you can take advantage of it. But here, you know, both of these courses tend to play around one or two strokes under par. They're not really that different. They're both fairly short uh, with the main difference being that the plantation course is a par 72, like Derek mentioned. Um, but still, it's not like there's significant, you know, differences in, in how the courses are designed uh, from a feature perspective in terms of trees or water or whatnot. So, yeah, not much of an angle, uh, but generally most years the plantation course does play slightly easier uh, if you do want to take that angle and show down, I, I certainly don't mind. Uh, then after the cut, anybody who makes the cut, then the field will obviously be small enough to where they can get everybody through on the same course. So for the weekend, the uh, seaside course will host. So that's the course where you'll have the shot tracker, uh, three of the four rounds. The one uh, round on the plantation course, they usually just do the shot two from the fairway, shot three from the green or whatever. Uh, but uh, that'll only be applicable for one round for for each of your golfers so that's, that's the other... downside in showdown is uh if you play all the plantation guys you get no sweat equity with the shot tracker <laughs> yeah so you got to play the other course just <laughs> for that sweat equity um in general on uh, on these two courses what are the types of golfers you're looking at here yeah so the average driving driving distance here is about 10 yards uh shorter than your average course on the pga tour so a lot of golfers you know, aren't necessarily hitting a lot of drivers this week. Uh, the fairway is very easy to hit. The greens are very easy to hit. Um, scrambling is not overly difficult. It's kind of one of those plotters courses. You look at the guys with the best course history. Um, you got like Webb Simpson, Matt Kuchar, those type of guys that um, just tend to play well on the shorter Bermuda tracks. Um, they both feature Bermuda grass throughout. And yeah, I think uh, accuracy is a little bit more important than distance. We've seen a lot of shorter hitters play well here over the years. Doesn't mean the longer hitters can't play well, but um, it kind of neutralizes the field uh, in terms of off the tee. There are a lot of water hazards in play. So you do want to be playing from the fairways. Uh, you're going to have to make a lot of birdies. I think the winning score probably between 15 and 20 under par, just depending on you know the wind over the last three days. Thursday looks like it's going to be pretty calm. And yeah, I think uh, any experience on Bermuda courses um, is definitely going to be uh, you know helpful this week. Uh, if you look at course history, we got a few guys who tend to play pretty well here. I believe Kevin Kisner is the all-time earnings leader. Webb Simpson has some consistently strong results here. And Robert Streb is the only two-time winner of this tournament, including last year uh, where, uh, where he beat Kisner uh, in a playoff. So Robert Streb, the only multi, uh, multi-time winner of the RSM Classic. Uh, who knew? Uh, and he's back in the field this week trying to defend that title but you look at the at the winners here over the last say six or seven years streb tyler duncan charles howell who i mean he always had a reputation for not being a winner uh, always a guy who would finish in the top you know 15 20 and make him a nice paycheck but he was a winner here in 2018 austin cook mackenzie hughes streb again chris kirk tommy ganey i mean uh it hasn't exactly been household names winning this tournament so um and part of that, I guess, could be to the fact that we usually don't have a super strong field here. Uh, last year we did because it was the week after the Masters, and so a lot of guys kind of just stuck around. But uh, one of those events where you think it's a little unpredictable, but then on the same token, you got a lot of guys like Kisner and Simpson that have had consistently strong results here. So uh, what do you make of the uh, the course history angle this week? 
Yeah, uh, I was just going to look at because all those names you mentioned uh, are really good putters, really good short games, with the exception of Tyler Duncan. But the week he won, he gained 3.4 strokes putting. So definitely wasn't, you know, all ball striking. He's kind of known for his iron play. But um, yeah, so I think course history is going to be fine. You're going to hear the Sea Island Mafia uh, talk a lot. There's a lot of golfers. It's like half the golfers on tour. Though. Half the golfers, uh, yeah, in this field either live here or have ties to, to, to the area. So um, and if you look at their, you know, some of their course history, it's not as good as you might expect with it being a home game for a lot of these golfers. So I'm not putting a ton of stock into that. Certainly doesn't hurt, um, but I wouldn't bump anybody up because they, you know, have a house here. We've seen that backfire, you know, time and time again at events uh, at the PGA Tour. When you have a home game, it's just different when they set it up for, you know, a PGA Tour um, event and, uh, you know, put some fans in there, changes the sight lines and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm not uh, putting too much talk into the Sea Island Mafia narrative, but I do think course history helps. Um, I looked at data golf's, you know, course history predictive power. It was pretty average. Um, you know, like Augusta National is number one. It's pretty average for uh, all the courses on the PGA Tour. All right. Well, I think we got enough background there and uh, we can start digging into the golfers this week. Before we do that, uh, be sure to check out one of the sponsors of the show, Prize Picks and prizepicks.com, or you can download their app. A lot of times we provide some golf specific picks on here. They don't have any golf posted for this week. So uh, probably uh, taking that off the board with the, with this being the last week of the year. But if I open up Prize Picks right now, they've got second half NBA contests, full game NBA contests. Second half college football, uh, NFL, college hoops, college football, NHL, MMA, soccer. They've even got a couple of women's college hoops props on there. So um, you can do single stat DFS type scoring or you can do overall fantasy points on the props. Um, you know, sometimes when they offer golf, they offer driving distance, longest drive. Uh, some of the NHL, they offer, you know, goalie saves and shots on goal and things like that. Rushing, receiving yards for football. So uh, lots of different props you can get. Uh, over-unders for on prize picks and uh, we uh, we hope you check them out so prizepicks.com uh, or download the app and uh, and get uh, i believe we have a bonus code too uh trying to find that here so that i don't give out the wrong one don't want to give out the wrong wiley would say grinder grinders promo code grinders that's what it is um 100 deposit bonus up to 100 bucks so if you're a first time user and you sign up promo code grinders i'm not sure how i forgot that uh you get the 100 bonus up to 100 bucks so free money all right let's start digging into the golfers this week we've got five above 10k uh, Scheffler, Webb Simpson, Louis Oosthuizen, uh, who we haven't seen a lot lately, but uh, never, never a bad thing to get some rest. And Webb Simpson hasn't played in about four weeks either, so uh, a lot of these guys just giving it one last hurrah before the winter break. So Scheffler, Simpson, Oosthuizen, Cam Smith uh, was uh, one of the spectacular fails uh, by me um, last week as part of my bad lineups. I guess he didn't do super bad, but. Uh, you know, uh, he, he was there in my group of guys that seemingly underperformed the first couple of days, ended up finishing better than I thought. And then Harris English at uh, 10.1K, rounding out that 10K plus group. So Simpson almost always gets the noise here. Uh, does surprise me a little bit that we've got Scheffler pegged at slightly higher ownership right now. We've got them both in kind of the mid 20s, though. But uh, your preference on Scheffler, Simpson, or any of those others above 10K, I think Scheffler and Simpson are. A notch ahead for me. Yeah, it's an interesting range for sure. Uh, you got two guys that have been playing a lot during the fall, and 
Scheffler and Cam Smith. And then you got three guys that uh, we haven't seen a lot of in, uh, you know, Webb, Usti, and Harris English, who had to withdraw. I think it was a back injury his last time out. You know, English, uh, I think he has a win here, or he's a Sea Island guy. Um, I can't remember exactly, but his course history is all over the place. Uh, Louis miscut here last year in his only appearance. He's lost on uh, lost strokes putting in four straight events. So after being one of the better putters on the PGA Tour last season, he's been struggling with the flat stick. So I can't really go there. Uh, Cam Smith has never played here before, so I don't feel great about that, especially at this ownership. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I really like Webb. Um, anytime you get him on a short Bermuda track, I think he makes a lot of sense. He's a good putter. Good with the irons. And uh, the form hasn't been great, but I was looking at his stats. Over the last 24 rounds, he's still third in birdie or better percentage. He's just been making a lot of bogeys. And uh, I think he can correct that at an event where, you know, he's got a lot of top 10 finishes. So he's going to be my favorite up here. Don't mind Scheffler. Um, but it is weird not seeing anybody priced above 11K. I think it's going to lead to a lot of balanced lineups this week. I think so, yeah. You can you can fit one guy in here from the top and still build a pretty balanced lineup outside of that. So uh, Webb is my favorite. Like you say, you know, I just think that on a course that he likes, um, hasn't played in four weeks, should be rested, ready to go. I, I give Webb the edge over Scheffler. Uh, but I certainly like those two a lot better than um, Ustase and Smith or, or English right now when you factor in the circumstances with those other guys. So uh, that's my thoughts. Uh, we're in agreement there on the 10K and above. When we get to the 9K range, we've got six or seven options there, and even still not as many as you would expect with nobody above 11K. But um, it, really interesting, if you look at the numbers, like, I think Corey Connors stats are always the same. Like you can look at Corey Connors, the last 20 rounds, last 30 rounds, last 50 rounds, like all the time. Right, right now I've got his last 50 rounds pulled up. Uh, total strokes gained 10th, tee to green fifth, ball striking second, off the tee fourth, approach ninth, um, around the green 130th and putting 91st in this field. That's Connors to a T. He's going to stripe it from T to green and he's not going to putt. So uh, it's whether or not he can make enough of those eight to 10 footers. When he does, he's got winning upside. When he doesn't, you know, he's still probably going to finish 25th or 30th in, in these weaker field events. So um, you and I are both a sucker for the bad putters and Connors is consistently there uh, with the ball striking and not there with the putter. So uh, but then you, you gave the angle about five minutes ago that the guys that have won here traditionally have been good putters. So um, I, I don't know how that makes me feel about Connors, but I'm I'm sucked into the bad putters and I can't leave the year by uh, going away from the roots. So I'm in on Connors. Well, uh, let me sell you a little bit on uh, his putting. He's actually 45th in this field in Shrove's game putting on Bermuda over the last two years. So uh, much better than, you Lots know, Lots of his... bad putters in this field then. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. But... <laughs> Uh, strokes game putting total in this field is 88. So, um, that's a big jump up from, you know, maybe it's some noise there, uh, putting on Bermuda, but it makes me feel a little bit better about him. Um, he's played here three times, all three in the top 40 T10 last year. Um, and I believe he just had a baby. So he's got some baby swag as well. Um, if you want to play the narrative. Um, so yeah, I like Connors quite a bit. I'll pair him up with uh, a guy we'll get to in the seven Ks who has a very similar skill set. Uh, Henley, I like Henley. It's hard not to. Very accurate off the tee. Best iron player in the field. Another guy that's better putter on Bermuda than any other surface. But he's going to be pretty popular. Uh, the names that are interesting to me, 
Taylor Gooch, you know, he was extremely popular last week. I think he had the first round lead and then kind of fell apart. Doesn't seem like many want to play him, but everyone wants to play Kevin Gisner, even though he's been in terrible form since the win. Um, so what are you doing with those two? We got a guy in really good form, and then we got a guy with the good course history. I'm going to take the out and play neither. Um, okay. uh, that's, uh, you know, Kisner has great course history. If you took, if you took Kisner's course history away and the sea Island narrative and all that stuff, I know you can't do that, but just for a second, I'll humor myself. If you did, Kisner would be 2% owned at $9,200. Yeah. Guess where know, he is in my model. What number? Uh, let's see. Which does Let's include go. course history. It, it, what's that? It does include course. Yeah, history. so that's obviously going to bump him up some, and you know he's three six. He's eighth in salary. I'll say uh, I'll say thirty first. Ooh, real good guess. Thirty third. Oh man, two off. That's all right. That's on the prices right board. Um, yeah, I, I just I can't. And sixteen percent owned. Yeah. I, he's got the course history going, but no recent results. And, and a lot of times we've seen that with him where then he gets to a course he likes. And it's, if he's, when he's playing this bad, I don't think it's just going to flip a switch with the course history, like some other golfers. So I'm out, I'm probably out on Gooch as well. I played him some last week. And again, at 9,300, I just, I, I like a lot of the other guys better. So uh, I think I'm out on Kisner and Gooch and look, I'll play Alex Noren over both of them. Yeah. I, it, you know, Noren has finished top 20 here the last two years. He's had some decent results in the the fall swing, and I know he doesn't play as much on the PGA Tour, but uh, he's seventh in total strokes gained uh, in this field over the last 50 rounds, and a lot of his has been with the putter. I mean, he's been running hot with the putter, but it's not like he's a a generally bad putter like somebody like Connor. So uh, just, I mean, Norin is the only guy we have above 9K in the single digits for ownership, and it's barely there, but – surely Gooch and Kisner are going to be a little more popular. So uh, yeah, give me Noren over both of those guys. I think I like Noren as well. Um, I like the ownership angle. You mentioned the course history and over the last couple of years, he's gotten really good at the easy courses when, um, you know, when he first came on the BJ tour, we thought of him as more of a, you know, hardcore specialist at the majors and that kind of thing. So a uh, really good track record on Bermuda as well, which I like. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be on Noren with you. And then what are you doing with Adam Scott? I mean, he finally wrote me back in last week and then he lost four strokes on approach. Um, his ball striking was terrible for like 18 months and then he found something and, you know, last week he lost it again. So I don't know what to do with Scott, especially since he's never played here. Yeah, I'll probably end up keeping him in the GPP pool mainly because I don't like a whole lot in the 8K range. So, um, I, I mean, my player pool is getting thin in a hurry if I X out a lot of the 8K <laughs> range. I just, I'll take a chance on his upside. Like to me, I think if you're making 30, 40, 50 lineups, you got to find your favorite of these veterans. You know, I, maybe it's Kisner for some people, or maybe it's Justin Rose at 8,800 uh, or Scott or Keegan, you know, who I don't mind. Um, I think you got to keep a couple of those guys in, in your player pool. Cause I think they do have upside in, in this relatively weaker field event. So I'll keep Scott in there. Um, but I, I really don't have a lot of conviction one way or the other on him. I just think, you know, if he finds it and the ball striking is there, I think he's got more upside than a lot of the 8K players. Yeah, I don't mind that. I'm going to be off of him because I'm burned from last week, but <laughs> I get it. Yeah, pretty neutral in, uh, on the whole, but I think he'll end up in my player pool. 
uh, hopefully we don't get, uh, by the way, last week was a little bit, I, uh, well, my wife always asks me on Wednesday night because my wife is an early riser. So she's up at like four 30 every morning. Ooh, um, 4:30. yeah, I, why? I mean, like our kids get up at six to get ready for school. Um, but I mean, she's stays home during the day. So, I mean, she doesn't have to get ready super early or anything, but that's just her routine. Uh, she gets up at four 30 and then goes to bed about 10 and gets up at four 30. So anyway, every Wednesday night, you know, I don't set an alarm or anything. She's like, what time you need to get up to, to make sure your golfers are playing. <laughs> nice. And, uh, so last week, uh, I looked at the time. I'm like, Oh man, it's like five 45. Uh, turns out I had the time zone wrong because Houston's in the same time zone as us. So I, I woke up an hour early. Um, and then, uh, and then they had a rain delay anyway. And then Charlie Hoffman withdrew five hours later, anyhow. Oh, so, uh, we, but, how did we not mention that he was in my main lineup oh, and my showdown lineup? That it day. was a bad day. It was it got the tournament off to a bad start. No wonder I didn't have any six to six lineups. <laughs> and so after after all that happened on Thursday, I said I would have been better off probably sleeping through. Yeah, uh, sleeping through lock. It didn't matter anyhow. But. Um, I have no idea. I was going somewhere with that. Now I've completely lost it. The Hoffman <laughs> thing threw me way off. Um, How crappy know. is that though? Cause like we were awake before it started and then he, he withdraws after lock. So nothing. You there was somebody there. else that withdrew after lock too. It was like song you'll know or somebody. Um, and then Smalley replaced him. I think Smalley ended up finishing like 15th. Um, and we'll talk about him in a little bit too, but uh, anyway, yeah, that was part of what made last week brutal. The, the Hoffman withdrawal. Uh, after lock so hopefully somebody like adam scott or you know rose or somebody that i i don't really love but end up keeping in my player pool um i really liked hoffman last he plays well in texas and mm-hmm. yeah just disappointing that he did that but that's okay the first time i've been burned by one of those in a while yeah it's been a while i mean everybody's got their horror stories of being burned by a withdrawal <laughs> yeah. but uh that was the first one that that had burned me in a while all right so let's move into the eight k's uh, I know you talked about Keegan last time he teed it up and uh, made the cut and he ended up finishing like dead last of everybody that made the cut, but he was really popular a couple weeks ago. I think that was Maya Koba. Um, and he was like 20% owned. And so recency bias now and everybody that, you know, got burned by him that week, nobody wants to play him again. So now we got him down at seven. Uh, I believe the lowest owned of any player we've talked about so far. So again, good ball striker can't putt. So fits that narrative. Uh, so I don't mind going back to Keegan. His ball striking numbers are still pretty solid recently. And again, I don't love a lot else in the 8K range. So uh, your thoughts on this kind of middle middle to upper 8Ks? Yeah, I don't mind Keegan. If you did play him, you know, at high ownership uh, a couple weeks ago, you should go right back here. Um, again, that's going to be the putter that might hold him back. But um, he's one of those guys that's really good tee to green. Um, he's a good ball striker and he's good around the green. So if it does get windy, I do think that'll you know help him if the scoring gets a little tougher. I think that'll help him. Um, so I don't mind him at uh, 8,900. I like McKenzie Hughes a little bit. You know, he won here as a rookie. And then since then, miscut, miscut, 265, miscut. So uh, I do think that's going to help keep his ownership down. He's quietly made 11 straight cuts. He's a really good putter. Accuracy is a concern. Approach play is a concern, but um, he's pretty magical uh, on and around the green. So a guy that I like playing on these shorter Bermuda tracks, like the subs 10% ownership. Uh, I think Brendan Todd's interesting, kind of the same type of player um, where you're just hoping to gain a lot of strokes on the greens, except he's a lot more accurate uh, off the tee than McKenzie Hughes. 
but these aren't guys that I feel great about just uh, that I would include in my, you know, tournament player pool. The one guy that I feel, you know, pretty good about in all formats is Chris Kirk. He's a cut maker. Um, he's got a pretty good track record here. Doesn't really have a weakness in his game. You know, he's uh, pretty accurate, pretty good with the irons, pretty good around the green, pretty good butter. So I think, uh, you know, he makes some sense. And you said he won here before, right? I only have the last five years. And Who's that, like Hughes? Uh, Chris Kirk. Oh, yeah, that was just beyond five years ago. Yeah, it was probably six. Yeah, yeah so he did win here. Got the course history, decent enough form, pretty good stats. I, I don't mind him. Oh, 20%. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I wasn't either when I put him in my article. I put him in my article. Um, it looks like we got it down to 17 now. Okay. Um, it was 20 earlier, but 17 now. Yeah, I, I think maybe our original number on him was a bit hot, but um, in terms of ownership. But, I mean, he's been consistently underpriced for a couple months now. Um, and you look at his – you look at his – I mean, either – sometimes he's just a disaster but when he's on he, he tends to show some upside like uh, like he did with the win here so uh, i don't mind kirk at eight thousand. uh the ownership was a bit as, of a surprise to me as well uh shameless power another one of last week's disappointments um i don't even need to know how badly he missed the cut because i know he did uh, it, it was not pretty though but uh his ownership down to nine percent this week i don't know i don't love a lot in here i like me calling. <laughs> uh Mito, another guy uh he was in the player pool last week i think he was uh where did he finish our player cards T- get the most 29 not, not really? too bad i must have been thinking of two tournaments ago when he that was yeah it must have been yeah it was my Koba. he's basically dead last um just assumed he was dead last based on oh, how all the other guys did last week i don't mind Mito. Uh, but I like him every week. He's always going to end up in my player pool. So I don't want my bias to come across on everybody, but I like him. I like I'm the su- Hughes call too. You'll, he'll be in my player pool. I'm surprised uh, Joe Damon's getting so much, you know, traction. I wonder what's causing that. You got his course history handy? I mean, he's played here each of the last five years. Best finish, T37, two missed cuts in there. Yeah, I'm probably out on that at that salary. is just a little expensive. I mean, it's all Let's a little bit what, relative because uh, he gained eight strokes on approach last week. That's what it was. Where'd he end up finishing last week? Fifth. So he's part of that group. It was it got pretty bunched together there at the top. Um, I don't know, decent argument for him, but I'm probably still out. All Sorry. right, uh, let's move into the seven Ks here uh kuchar if you want to play the grizzle veteran angle you got kuchar you got howell you got Harmon, <laughs> all those guys up in the top end of the seven k's um none have really shown much if any upside of late but uh um Harmon did finally make a cut last week so that's positive and uh, howell has a past win here uh, then you're down to lee rogers streelman matt wallace jason day uh, pretty much a dead range from say 75 70 uh, from 7600 to 7900 i guess you could play somebody in here but i don't love anybody yeah i'm right there with you Uh, i was making you know my main lineup today just looking through different options and i had uh 78.50 left uh, for two spots and i scrolled right to that range with kuchar Harmon, Howe, and uh, i mean it's tempting this is the type of course where they should play well um Kuchar's a sea island guy Harmon's a sea island guy uh, Howell's won here before but 
yeah, like you mentioned, they just haven't shown any upside recently. So I don't think uh, I'll go there. I don't hate them, um, but I just don't know what they're doing right now. I mean, Harmon's lost on approach in seven straight. Kucher, we haven't seen a top 10 out of him for I don't even know how long. And then, you know, how he's, he's been out of form for a couple of years now. So, yeah, it's tough there. I don't really love anyone else above 7,500. Uh, Strillman rates out well for me, but he's kind of been in that same uh, no upside uh, type of form recently. Maybe, uh, maybe Harmon's going to follow the uh, Kokrak approach, losing Ooh. on approach in a bunch of events, and then he's just going to come out and find it this week. If he says he's thinking about withdrawing, we're locking him. We're locking him in. Uh, all right. I uh, Who knows? He might end up staying in my player pool. Um, he was all- the most consistent guy on tour for like eight months. And then. So yeah, weird. that's wild. I'm always a sucker for Matt Wallace at 2% ownership too. So might keep him in there. Um, yeah, the, guy I like that, that. the guy I think is interesting. Uh, what are we doing with Strub? I mean, champ. let's see where he is 96th in my model. The worst, all. the worst, yeah, plus, yeah. the worst plus minus of anyone in the field. All right. He's out. Uh, 4%. I, I think he'll be over 4% on though. Um, I don't mind Adam long as a tournament flyer. I was looking at his logs earlier. The last 15 starts for Adam long, seven missed cuts and eight top thirties. Every <laughs> cut he's made has been a top 30, uh, 29th or better, and seven missed cuts. And he's actually got three top 15s in a row. So he has started to show a little bit more consistency. Uh, he's had some decent results here, uh, 30th and 35th the last two years. So it's a pretty weak field. Adam Long at 7,500 and 5% ownership. I'll play some of him. Um, I'm in. I like it. We we doing with Luke List this week. He was a really popular play last week on a course that catered to more distance, but and his T to green numbers are great lately. But uh, what about this course? Yeah, I mean he was the best guy in my lineup last week, which uh, I mean T eleven's fine, but um, just says more about the rest of my lineup. Um, and I think he was <laughs> like sixty nine hundred too. Uh, so he gets a big price bump. He gets uh, an ownership bump as well. Um, my issue with him is he's like dead last in putting on Bermuda, so. Uh, it's hard for me to go there, but he did lead the field in the strokes gained T to green. He gained 13 strokes on the field last week. So, I mean, there's a case to be made for him for sure. Yeah, he's pretty locked in uh, from T to green right now. I, I, he'll probably end up staying in my player pool. I just can't ignore those T to green numbers on uh, in a weak field. So uh, I'll probably play some, though I am a little bit more nervous about him this week than I was last week. Uh, who else you like in the kind of middle – to, as we get towards the bottom part of the seven case. I'm going to go back to Emiliano Grillo. Um, he's a guy that's very good total driver. Um, one of the better iron players in the field. One of the better when it comes to, you know, green regulation as well. And uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, I don't think around the green is going to have that big of a impact this week because everyone's going to be hitting the greens. If that's the case, I think that's going to be a big help for him. Um, he's just been bleeding strokes around the green. So if he can hit, you know, 80 to 85% of greens, I think he's going to be in pretty good shape. His putting isn't as bad, especially on Bermuda, as you might expect. He's about, you know, middle of the pack in this field. T18 here last year. Um, if he was in better form, he would be a lot more popular. So I like him at 7,400. I think Norlander's interesting. Um, four for four here in the last five years, a couple top fives. He's a guy that tends to play his best on Bermuda. And then, yeah, you take over and I'll come back with a couple others. 
Yeah, Norlander, I like. I put that uh, in our uh, survey this week that uh, most will focus on the course history of guys like Kisner and uh, uh, Webb Simpson, but Norlander's got pretty good course history as well. So uh, Keith Mitchell, I'm always a sucker for a little Keith Mitchell on uh, these tracks. Obviously, he grew up in the area, uh, one of the one of the many, uh, but uh, his form has been improved and a little bit more consistent lately. He's still 7,200 on DraftKings about 6% owned. So it's been a long time since I've endorsed my guy, Keith Mitchell. So we'll try to go out on a high note. Um, so I like him. And then uh, only other guy above 7K, Alex Smalley, I don't mind. Again, I mentioned he got in last week with the withdrawal, the song you'll know withdrawal, uh, but he wasn't available on the main slates. So nobody really paid attention to him. Uh, and he got another top 15 finish. So um, four straight made cuts. Don't mind him at 7,100. So Smalley, Keith Mitchell, maybe Taylor Moore uh, will be in my player pool there. Yeah, the uh, the model loves Alex Smalley every week, so I agree with that one. Um, Kyle Stanley, <laughs> so he finally gained strokes putting for the first time in months last week and uh, still missed the cut. Um, so <laughs> I don't I don't understand what's going on with him. He usually gains six or seven strokes on a on with his ball striking, but. Last week, finally putted well and missed the cut. Um, I like Danny McCarthy quite a bit at 7K. I think he's just too cheap. Uh, a couple top 15s in the last two weeks. He's got an eighth-place finish here. And we've seen him kind of string together good performances, um, you know, at a time. He's a guy that's really good putter and uh, not great with desires long-term, but he can find it for, for a few weeks stretch. So um, even at that 12% ownership, I think he's a pretty strong option. Yeah, don't he's definitely underpriced at that salary, and it, especially if you want to play the putter angle this week, uh, I don't mind McCarthy at all at 7k. He's like Brendan Todd, just 1400 cheaper. There you go. All right, let's move into the 6ks where I think there's a few options here this week, not a ton, but you got some of the recent uh web doctor corn fairy tour grads. Uh, Ramey's in here at 6900. Our boy Nick Hardy at 6,500. He was a colossal failure his last start, but like Hardy's all the way down to 6,500. He's only going to be 2% owned. So uh, he's my new, uh, the new Mito for me and just going to play him at that salary. So um, Hardy and Ramey, I think, are two guys that are interesting in this range, but uh, anybody that pops for your, in your model in the six case or our random golfer of the week got to happen too. Yeah, so the model loves uh, Ramey and it loves Hardy. So, um, yeah, I agree with you on those two. For the rest of the range, I mean, I'm not loving a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think I'm going to dip down below, you know, uh, Denny McCarthy in my main lineup. But we do got to talk about uh, our boy Scotty G back in the field. Scott Gacheski back in the field. We, we learned all about him a few weeks ago and, uh, and he made the cut and, uh, had a little Thursday, you know, top five for a while. So, uh, what is he, has he been salary this week? I know he's down there. Is he 6k? 6,100. Uh, 6,100 got to pay a premium. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, coming off of a T39, I guess he, uh, dropped down there a little bit, but, uh, yeah, he was, uh, sitting in the top 10 for a little while, um, in his last start. I, uh, I don't think I'm going to play him, but uh, it's a cool story. And I suppose maybe there's not a lot in here. Does the model like anyone on a points per dollar basis in here? Anybody, uh, no, anybody pop in, in the six case. Yeah. Outside of uh, Ramey and Hardy, the next closest Michael Thompson, a uh, really good Bermuda putter. Um, he's a guy that hits a lot of fairways can be good on approach at times. Um, decent course history. And then Russell Knox always seems to pop, but 
Um, yeah, I don't know. He came out, he was the 12th that one Thank week, you. then he was popular, missed the cut on the number, then missed the cut on the number. So Knox was the only guy in my player pool here that we hadn't mentioned yet. So he's probably gonna he's probably gonna make it uh, into my uh, into nice. my pool. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you don't need to get a ton of exposure to the six Ks. I mean, obviously you've got McCarthy at seven thousand. Um, you know, guys that are strong plays like uh, we mentioned in the kind of that mid seven K range. You want to take a shot on somebody like Adam Long uh, in a GPP. You know, uh, small he grades out well. So I mean, those guys are all in the seven K to seventy five hundred range. So probably not super necessary. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, there's nobody above eleven K. Uh, it's not like you're paying a super premium for anybody at the top. So even if you want to roster, you start your roster with Webb or start your roster with Connors or something like that at 9,900, uh, you, you don't find yourself needing to go to too many punt level guys this week. Um, anything else that uh, we may have missed before we get out of here? No, I'm going to miss uh, talking about golf for the next six or seven weeks. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for joining us. Um, it's a lot of fun. Doing the show each week, uh, we had another, you know, user hit uh, 120 grand last week. So shout out to him. If it can't be one of us, we hope it is uh, certainly one of you. They didn't do it with my picks last week. I'll tell you that um, <laughs> it was, a, you know, the week after um, or the week before there, there's a, a site called Daily Overlay that grades uh, expert picks and stuff. And uh, the week before I got a notification from them on Twitter that seven of my eight picks graded out as A's. Um, and I was feeling pretty good about that. So it was one of the best weeks I'd had in a while in terms of uh, picks. And, uh, then last week was a total disaster, uh, headlined by, by Hoffman withdrawing, but, uh, those are the breaks. You can't win them all. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be disappointing not being here for six or seven weeks, but as Noto knows, uh, doing the, you know, doing the NBA content and, uh, with football season still going strong. Uh, the grind gets a little brutal in uh, in the fall months. So sometimes from a content side, having a little bit of a break uh, isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. It'll, you know, give you maybe a little bit more time uh, to to breathe, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I haven't had a notification from uh, that Twitter account for a while, uh, the Daily Overlay. So, Horrible picks. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll <laughs> get back on track this week. <laughs> I, I was second when I looked in their overall uh, grades for the year. So unfortunately last week isn't going to help me try to overtake the top spot, but uh, still it's been a pretty fun year as always enjoy talking golf and, uh, and, you know, doing the show for all of you as well. And uh, we've had, as Noto hinted at, you know, we've had some people uh, make some pretty big money over the last few weeks. So always great to see. And uh, we head into the holiday season, wishing all of you uh, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all the uh, holiday greetings that uh, that we can pass along since we're not going to be here for uh, the next six weeks or so. Uh, we hope you enjoy it and uh, we'll be back here back and better than ever in 2022 uh, as we uh, kick off the season as usual with the, uh, the Tournament of Champions and the usual uh, late winter schedule. So for Noto and our producer Eli, I'm Justin. Thanks as always for watching or listening. Uh, we appreciate it very much and uh, have a happy holiday season, everybody. Take care.